This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Record. Record. I'm recording. We are recording. Hello, all you lovely people out there in user land. Thanks so much for joining us for episode 72 of the Laravel News Podcast. I have with myself today a very special guest, the creator and host of the very first Laracon AU, Mr. Michael Hello. Dorinda. Hello. Give it up for him. That was, that was quite the introduction. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah. I worked on it for... Seconds. Uh, Literally no, sorry, seconds. I didn't work on it. It just happens. So, Laracon AU, big news, big news, went really well, looked like it was mm-hmm. awesome. I think everybody had a super great time, sold yep. out all the way, sold out, packed out the house, no t-shirts no left. No t-shirts left. No, no name tags for the people who yeah. were there even, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Smashing success. Thank Congratulations. You. Way to go, man. That was a lot it of hard work. was a lot of hard work that all paid off quite well, thankfully. Yeah. So give us a quick recap. What were what was like the highlight of the conference? What was let's start with that. What was the highlight of the conference? I think the, for you? the highlight for me was just having David and Taylor and Matt and Steve and Adam all there in Australia. That was really cool. I think Adam and uh, and Steve are still trekking around the place, getting uh, some tourism tourism dollars into the country, which is nice of them. So I think that was that was probably the the biggest thing, just getting a chance to hang out with those fine gentlemen. We had some nice photos taken. We actually got all of the photos back uh, this morning, so I've uh, tweeted them out for everyone to have a look at. Really happy with the photographer. Really, I mean, ecstatic with the venue. They were fantastic in terms of like just making sure everything ran smoothly to the point where I didn't have to do anything on the day. They came and asked, you know, should we open the doors now? That's do you want to wait ten minutes? You know, they made sure that all of the speakers are mic'd up. All the speakers are in the right place at the right time. You know, I couldn't couldn't be happier with the venue. I think feedback was really positive from the people that I spoke with, and even on the second day after having the after party, it was it was pretty full. Like I know at Laracon US, that morning after the after party can sometimes be a little bit a little bit barren <laughs> in the in the auditorium. So yep. it was good yep, to see yep. that everyone was people able to still make in, it yeah. back and. Uh, and really enjoy both days. So, yeah, happy. Those Aussies can well, hold that, their own. That's probably the you know? benefit, really. Yeah, they throwing back some Fosters. You know, they can really, they can really. Uh, that's exactly put it away. right. So, yeah, not really happy. It's uh, <laughs> it's all done and dusted, and got a bit uh, got a bit sad on a on Friday night when it was all over. And you know, you spend twelve months working on it and making it all happen, and then it comes and goes yeah. in two days, and it's all over. And I said to Ray, yeah, like, I don't want to think about it anymore. I probably want to have a week or two off before I start even considering whether or not I want to do it again. But, I mean, let's face it, there's a good chance that we'll do it all again next year. And, and I've already spoken yeah. to a couple of businesses in terms of sponsorship and I've, I've got three or four speakers already lined up that are, that are interested in, in uh, presenting again. So, I mean, it'll, it'll probably happen again. And... Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll just give myself a couple of weeks. Well, it'll probably be a little bit more than that because I booked myself in for my 
knee reconstruction on the 7th of november so that'll be lots of fun as well yes that'll, indeed that'll keep me well i mean i say it'll keep me out of action but really it's it's a kind of surgery that these days like i'll, I'll walk out of the hospital immediately after so no worries there that's incredible this was just like you, you won't have any time in the hospital it's just outpatient you just go and get it all done and then leave yeah pretty much pretty much that's incredible that's incredible with like all the damage that's been done that they can do that just mm. Yeah, put you in, get it all done, and then send you home. That's great that you can recover at home. It's way yeah. more comfortable. Yeah, so I only have to spend, as I said, I only have to spend uh, spend the day in there, you know, going for the surgery and then and then yep. straight back out again. You know, walk out of there, probably on crutches, you know, just because it'll, be, it'll feel a bit weird, but they reckon within two weeks I'll be, you know, back to starting doing normal things again. And within four to six weeks, it'll be like, you know, you forget you that you even had surgery really, so... Wow, that's incredible. That's just typical uh, recovery time for like broken bone or something, you know. So it's yeah. just that's that's impressive. Nice, man. That's awesome. What's uh, one thing about Laracon AU that surprised you? Like, was there anything that you're like, wow, I wasn't expecting that to happen all, at all, or I spent a whole lot of time making sure I was prepared for this one thing and it didn't happen at all, or anything? You know, was there anything surprising to you? No, I think I think I got off pretty lucky that there wasn't any real surprises. Um, I mean, the biggest surprise was that I didn't have to do anything. I guess one thing that that we were going to do and then that we didn't end up doing was to put all the t-shirts with the name badges. So when when we sent the order to the manufacturer for the t-shirts, I was supposed to remove the t-shirt survey from the the ticket purchasing software that we were using. I forgot yeah, to do yeah. that. So, you know, people were buying tickets after we sent the order off. They were filling out their T-shirt thing. So when they got there, they were, you know, taking the T-shirts that they that they thought uh, they, were, yes. they were going to get. Yeah, yeah. So luckily I had purchased extras anyway. So they went, you know, all the T-shirts went. I think I came back with like one extra small male and two small female shirts left. That's so. incredible that it was that close. Yeah. So they, they literally <laughs> took the clothes off of your back, unfortunately, because we were going to send you one. Yeah, but, um Yeah. I'll I'll definitely make sure that the next time around I uh I put the shirts with the name badges and and make sure like make that a little bit clearer. Those are pretty but, awesome um, shirts too. Pretty cool looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were really good. We were very happy with them um overall and uh, yeah, got got that all done. So yeah, I think everything was was pretty smooth. I I didn't realize like it's a lot of running around that I had to do. I didn't really see many of the talks, so just as well that that we're recording them and I'll sure. get a chance to see them again yeah. afterwards. Yeah, so tell us about that like what's the what's the plan for the uh, videos recording how how are those being released? Yeah, who so are the, those being released to? Yeah. The uh, the videos were uh, record like all of the speakers had their talks recorded. Um they're all recorded in 4K. What we're doing is um, we had film of the speaker, we had film of the screen, and we've also got like the slides from all the speakers as well. So they're in production as we speak now, and they should be ready nice. and online in you know by the middle of November kind of thing. So we'll we'll put them up on on the Laracon AU YouTube if you want to. We'll put a link in the show notes so that cool. you can okay. be notified so as soon as they're available. uploaded. But um, yeah, they'll all be there, uh, free for everyone to access. Very good, nice, awesome, man. Well, thanks everybody who was able to come out to Laracon AU, the very first one. Thanks for supporting Michael and all the hard work that he put in to make this thing a reality. And uh, hopefully for many years to come, AU mm. will be able to have some of the core members of, of Laravel over there each year. That would be that would be excellent. Even if it's not Michael 
doing it. Maybe you take on a partner that helps you out there in, in the yeah. AU or whatever. So yeah, we had some well, volunteers that that helped out on on both days. Yeah, so that yeah. was that was really good. Yeah, awesome. Well, we've got lots of news stuff to get through today. Uh, so we're I think we're literally just going to start at the bottom of the list and start heading up. I started from the bottom. Now we're here. Let's start from the bottom. Now we're here. There we go. Um, okay, so with that in mind, we've got, of course, as always, we've got news, updates, and packages. This first one falls into updates. So we're talking about Laravel 5.7.9. Uh, so let's take a look at that and see what's going on in the most recent update to Laravel 5.7. What we got, Michael? Mm-hmm. So some changes, some fixes. We've got a new 401 exception view. So those those beautiful views that we had for 403s, 500s, uh, 503s, I think it was, and 404s. We've now got a 401, which is an unauthorized response um, with some updated verbiage specifically for you know unauthorized versus forbidden. We've also got an assert session has no errors assertion to verify that the session doesn't have any errors. So that's obviously going to be useful in your testing. Sure, your validation and stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I assume kind of where you'd find that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's correct. And we've got a pending resource registration class is now macroable. So I'm not certain where you would use that. There is an example in the release notes, which we will link up in the show notes for you. I'm sure if you need to use that, you know where and when and how you can do that. Uh, and I think that's I think that's it for 5.7.9. Those are the highlights anyway. Of course, you can find the full change log out on uh, the Laravel slash... Is it going to be Laravel slash Laravel or Laravel slash framework repo? Out there somewhere? Uh, they'll be on the Laravel or? slash Laravel repo, I think. But they could be on the framework as okay. well. Sure. There we go. Uh, good deal. All right. So that takes us to carbon updates coming to Laravel 5.8. So um, Kyle Katarnas is the maintainer uh, of Carbon. And so in 5.8, you're going to be able to use Carbon 1 or 2. Uh, so the update would include the ability to use uh, also Carbon Immutable uh, and even make your application use that as the default. Uh, so if you've not been bitten by this in the past, you may be in the future where if you do something like Carbon, like if you say like now and then you say now equals carbon now and then you say now add week or something like that right mm-hmm. and then you reference now somewhere later and you're still expecting it to be now it doesn't right so because it, it mutates that 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 uh, thing instead of basically just giving you these the seven days later when you say add week it actually modifies that 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 instance and so carbon immutable uh, helps to take care of that where it will return to you that value but it will maintain its original original date right so um that's what this carbon immutable does and it's a really simple swap uh it's just in a a service provider you just say date use carbon immutable class instead of the the one that it would normally use so uh looks pretty simple uh there's a whole migration guide migrating from carbon one to carbon two which they have in the official documentation and then there's some additional stuff with localization as well uh, that you can check out Hmm. Yeah. This will make it easier as well for people to swap their implementations as well. So you can tell it to use, you know, the, the normal carbon. You can tell it to use carbon immutable. You can tell it to use Kronos, which is a, I believe it's a fork of carbon. And there's also like just the basic date time as well. So it's been a quite a while the, coming, yeah, but it's Kronos, a handy change that's going to be introduced as well. 
Yeah, Kronos was kind of like introduced to solve that same problem we were just describing, right? So like yeah. carbon immutable, immutable seems to kind of do that same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, um, next we have a course that has been released by uh, one of uh, our speakers from Laracon this year, Mr. Wes Boss. Uh, Michael, will you tell us about that real quick? Yeah, so this is a course on full stack advanced React and GraphQL. It was launched uh, last week and it's basically a premium video course where you will learn how to build full stack applications using React and GraphQL for your backend. There's already three and a half thousand people that have taken up this course and I think Wes basically puts out one of these premium paid courses once a year uh, in amongst all of the, the free content that he also pushes out. He's, he's just a machine for it. Um, but yes. yeah, just just as React has transformed the way that we build web applications, GraphQL is changing how we build APIs to query and mutate data. With a focus on modern JavaScript and a real-world application, this course is a start-to-finish way to learn full-stack advanced React, GraphQL, Node.js, and friends. So, you know, if GraphQL or, or React or, or both of those things are of interest to you, the course is basically a hands-on tutorial building a full-stack online clothing store complete with a credit card checkout. So definitely something worth checking out if that is of interest to you. Yeah. And it includes, I mean, man, it includes everything that I could, you could read down the list here of all the things, uh, server side rendering, theming, routing, GraphQL schemas, JSON web tokens, resolvers, pagination, forms, animations, third party react components, unit testing, mounting, shallow rendering, et cetera, et cetera. There's tons of stuff in here. Um, so this is a really, really great course that's, uh, available now. Have you done much with GraphQL or never? Or no, no. Yeah. I, I was like on some like web conference that GitHub was, was hosting about GraphQL. So Facebook and GitHub are the two big ones that I'm aware of right now that I've interacted with that use GraphQL. Mm -hmm. The promise of GraphQL is pretty interesting, right? It's this idea that you essentially have this, and I'm probably going to slaughter this, so people who are GraphQL folks, you have to forgive me a little bit, right? But you've, when you've interacted with APIs in the past, right, you need like this one particular set of data. And so what you end up having to do is you end up having to go to the server and create an API endpoint so that your front end can call that API endpoint, right? Um, and essentially, like the promise of GraphQL is that you can almost write the query entirely on the client side instead of on the api side right so you kind of define the schema yeah and then i believe the client basically defines the query in whatever shape you want it to come back in and then the server just says oh yeah sure i can give you that it's pretty cool pretty cool so uh, i don't know enough about it to have have you know actually used it but i've played around with it and it's it seems pretty interesting um, yeah it's certainly sorry. it's certainly a a take on on solving a problem um and you know it's certainly interesting at the service level, but it's never been interesting enough to me personally to warrant jumping off, you know, the beaten track to, to check it out. Sure. That makes sense. Um, okay. Let's talk about building package installers here. So our very own TJ Miller, as we've uh, talked about in our, in our previous shows here recently, uh, has been working with Honey Badger to create a library uh, to allow you to interact with it easily in Laravel. So it's a package, right, that he's that he's built. Uh, part of that package that he built that was really 
taken as inspiration from the Ruby version of the package is the package installer. So his package installer goes through and the kind of the goals that he had set up for himself himself was that he wanted to have visibility of all the tasks that were performed, both success and failure. He wanted to avoid as much manual work as possible for the person who was doing the installing. He wanted to be able to use command prompts for any information that was required from the user. And then he wanted to make it both compatible with Laravel and Lumen. So the idea being that it would be a super nice user experience for anybody who's installing this package. And he really thought through things like, okay, go ahead and paste your API key here when you're installing it. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and copy this value to the ENV and your ENV example. And then once it's all set up, I'm going to go ahead and send you a test exception and make sure that everything worked straight from his installer. All right, so this is a tutorial that he's put he's uh, posted here on Laravel News just talking about his process for building the package installer and really just I think kind of challenging Laravel package maintainers and package creators to really give a little bit more thought to the API and the interface that you're providing to to package users right to help to help them avoid the manual work how many times have you forgotten to put something in your .env.example Mm-hmm. Right, it happens all the time, and it's just, it's such a pain. So, thankfully, the process of adding things to your app service provider and adding things, you know, like to your uh, to your configs, right? How you have the service provider that needed to be added, and then the facade that needed to be added. You remember we had, used to have to do that all the time. Yeah. And so now it's just hand, handled through package auto discovery. But this is kind of like the next step in that iteration of basically saying, "Hey, package maintainer, take a minute and like just think through this and see if you can make this even easier uh, for your users." And so uh, he's he's done a lot of work on that and and has a really great post on here about how you can do that too. So thanks, TJ, for that. Appreciate it, man. And actually, you know what? I think before we move on to the next one, I think I'm going to cover this real quick too because it's super closely related. This Laravel console task. So this is a package by Nuno Maduro that allows you to perform tasks and output the results to the console. So essentially, this is um, kind of like what I had said was one of TJ's goals was he wanted to be able to visualize in the console all the all the interactions, uh, you know, both successes and failures straight in the console there. Uh, well, essentially what Nuno's package allows you to do is to say this task define the work that you're doing. So I would say checking for PHP version compatibility, right? And then I pass a closure as the second argument, and then I just return a true or false from that. And then depending on what gets returned in the console, it will show checking PHP version in the console colon and then it'll and then it'll show me like a checkbox if it returned true and a failed and highlighted in red if in fact it was returned as false so that goes along really nicely with what TJ was saying uh, in his in his post and this seems like another really nice tool that you could use uh, to put in your tool belt when you're creating these installers that would make that a little bit easier. So thanks Nuno for that. And you can find the blog post for this on Laravel news and in the show notes, of course. Uh, okay. So, you know, I'm looking at this Laravel proxy image or whatever we want to call it, and it doesn't even look like the site is in English. So I'm not sure if we're going to be able to cover that one. Maybe just mention it's saying, let's just read the title here. It just says, uh, it's a handy package for proxying images through images.weserve.nl. Uh, so it looks like it might essentially host your images on Cloudflare and be able to help you with resizes and transformations and crops. Sounds a little bit like Cloudinary to me. So if that's of interest to you, go check that 
out. Okay, the next thing we have on the list here is an introduction to the JSON API. So I looked through this article and uh, I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I'm gonna apologize up front for that. But it is actually a really in-depth article here. Have you gotten a chance to take a look at this, Michael, or have you worked with the JSON API? We, yeah, we've we've started moving all of our API blueprint stuff over to JSON API just because it seems like this is what, you know, we, in quotes, are starting to standardize on in terms of JSON APIs. So yep. um, that's that's as far as I've gotten, really, gotten with it really. But this looks like it'd be a good article to read if you are not familiar about JSON API. Which I am not. And so it does really have some, the, the nice thing here, I, I suppose maybe not the nice thing, the important thing here is I think when you're working with a JSON API endpoint or you're starting to program this out, like it's, you need to have something, some consistency, right? And it's one of those things you kind of have to start with because it's going to really be a real pain to try to conform to after the fact. You're going to, you know, if it causes a breaking change, which it probably would if you weren't starting with it, then you're going to have to like tag to like V2 of your of your API or whatever. So there are some interesting things here it has here other than just standardization of how you return stuff such as compound documents. Inclusion of related resources, sparse field sets, and then some other features such as like sorting, pagination, filtering, etc. So it looks like it's a really good, uh, this is a really good primer uh, for those of you who maybe have not used this before or who are just hearing about it for the first time. So Bjorn Brala actually wrote that for us on Laravel News. We will link that up in the show notes. Feel free to check that out. Okay. You were there for the launch of this, so I'm going to push this one to you. So Laravel Telescope was announced at Laracon AU. Uh, why don't you tell us about that and tell us all the amazing, cool, exciting stuff that it can do? Yeah, so at Laracon AU last week, Taylor dropped a wonderful announcement for a brand new ecosystem tool called Laravel Telescope. It's an application debugging assistant built for Laravel by Mohammed Saeed primarily and with Taylor chipping in as as necessary. So it has now been released as of the time of this recording. And essentially what it is, it's an out-of-the-box debugging... Uh, sorry, Symphony has an out-of-the-box debugging tool. In Laravel, a lot of us have been using Barry van der Huevel's debug bar. So Laravel now has its own first-party tool. And it's, it's a tool that is going to help you develop your applications faster. It's going to help you debug your app a lot quicker. And it's a, it's basically going to be a command center for developing and working with queues, with mail, with logging, uh, authenticated users, and caching. There's a, there's a whole heap of different bits and pieces. It'll it'll show you all of the requests coming into your application. You can, the, the Laravel dump server, which we've talked about before, if you run dump in your application and you've got the the dump view in telescope up and running it will show you the dump there rather than halting the execution in your in your browser for the for the page itself it gives you email previews which we talked about i'm pretty sure on on last episode yeah um, right right in there so you know you, yep, you don't you cool. can forego forgo things like the uh, the mail trap and things like that as well now because it all just gets swallowed up incredible. by telescope yeah. which is great but yeah, as I said, requests, commands, schedules, jobs, exceptions, logs, dumps, queries, models, events, mail, notification, cache, and it even do like a basic Redis management as well. This is a tool primarily for development, 
but you can also run it in production. It has authentication similar to Horizon and um, Nova, where you have the the closure that returns, you know, d- defines how you how you authenticate to access Telescope in production. It's not recommended. It shouldn't be a problem. You can use it. It hasn't been battle tested in a production environment to see what kind of load and impact it has on a production environment it's basically hooking into all your events so it, it quote unquote should be fine but your mileage may vary and we would caution you to keep an eye on it the first time around just to make sure that it's not going to cause any problems for you uh, but it is a, a fantastic tool i now that it now that it's available i have included it in my own base laravel repository that i use for my applications so i encourage you all to check it out the, the video from Laracon AU will be available, as I said, at the start of the, the recording or the podcast in the middle of November, so you'll be able to check it out from there. In the meantime, I'll link up a stream that Muhammad actually did last week walking through Telescope and, and the functionality that is built into it. Yeah, they've done a really, really good job with this. So think of it as like the Laravel debug bar on steroids, right? Uh, It has all of the things. The mail, like you said, is a great example, right? So not only does it catch, hey, here's the mailable that was was rendered, but it'll actually render it for you. Uh, In addition, like you said, like some people have said, well, what's the difference between like debug bar and this? You know, I really thought that the production side of things was pretty interesting. So if you had a user who was having issues, a lot of times, you know, so I'll, uh, if I'm having something that's using Pusher, if you've ever used Pusher, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'll go log into the console on Pusher and I can see all the real-time events that are coming in and kind of see what's happening at a, at a glance of like what requests are coming in, what, what's the payload stuff that's coming through to see if I can kind of figure out what might be going on for a particular user, right? And, and this really does offer you that. It offers you really granular insights into everything that's happening in the request lifecycle of any user who's gonna be coming into your application. Uh, and you can take a look at that based on the user that's logged in and all that. So if you had a user, who is experiencing some problems, not only can you go in and see like to your, your uh, bug catcher and see stack traces, right? But you can see exactly what's going on with that user real time as it's happening. I believe, I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is that, is that right? Yep. So you would have to, my understanding is this stuff only runs when you have telescope open, which is awesome, which is amazing because it means that if your user is reporting an issue, you can open up Telescope, tell them to load the page that they're having an issue with and you will see the request come in for that user. You'll see the queries that were run and so on and so forth, which means that you could, and I know that we don't change production code live, but you could put a dump in somewhere. And if you've got the the dump page up in Telescope, you can actually see in real time what's happening for that user there. So, um, And only then, right? Because it doesn't care otherwise. Yep. So if the dump window is open, it'll it'll intercept that dump. Otherwise, it will you know it will spit out the dump as per normal. So handy functionality to have. It'll tag things so you can look for specific auth users. You can put your own tags in and so on and so forth. Funnily enough, with all of the cool stuff that Telescope does, the biggest round of applause that it received was when Taylor showed off the dark mode that's been implemented that's in hilarious. there. So, of course it did. I think there's some changes coming to like Horizon as well, which will give you a dark mode for Horizon as well. It, it looks really slick. That's awesome. 
Very cool. So uh, I know Muhammad put a ton of work into this as well. This was kind of his baby. Mm -hmm. And so big thanks to Muhammad Saeed for, for working really hard on this as well. And of course, uh, for the generosity of, of the Laravel team for releasing this free for use for all of us who are, you know, part of the Laravel ecosystem. So yeah. thanks, everybody. Thanks for the hard work. All right, let's see what else we got here. So we got the Laravel telescope. Okay, I want to talk about Laristan. Have you seen this at all? Okay, mm -hmm. so I have. I have yeah, seen it. Yeah, so Laristan is uh, also built by Nuno Maduro. So we already covered one of his packages today, but this is another one, which is basically a static analysis command line tool that's built on on top of PHP stands. This focuses on finding errors in your Laravel code before you run it, right? Using static analysis. So a lot of times Laravel takes advantage of PHP's magic methods to get some of the framework functionality, such as like when you're calling a thing, a lot of times in your eloquent models, right? You'll be calling kind of like these magic methods. So like when you say, let's say get full name attribute is a, is a method name that you would have in a model, but then the way that you would call that is you would just call that as an attribute on the model itself, right? Where you would just say user arrow full name, right? And so what Laristan aims to do is analyze code that relies on these magic methods and then report any possible bugs that you might have. So if you're a user of PHP Storm, you'll see these kind of these analyses like real time uh, in your in your code base. So it'll like underline it and say, hey, by the way, we don't see a method for this thing over here, right? Like we don't know what full name attribute. We don't see a full name attribute mm -hmm. on your model over here. It kind of uh, just let you... Uh, it just acknowledges that, by the way, you might want to check on this. This, this would kind of help to do some of the th same things, make sure that it would report any breakages before it actually makes it into production. So this is just something that you can run from the command yep. line. So you just run PHP artisan code analyze. Uh, there's a couple flags that you can throw in there um, as well. So you can say only analyze these couple uh, locations, or you can actually have a configuration file in the root of your package that will kind of set those up for you those flags for you but it looks pretty interesting it's it's kind of a it's a work in progress it's not a stable release yet so it's ready for consumption as a dev dependency however so they're still still looking for some community testers to kind of work on it and report it back uh, report back any issues or false positives positives that they may have uh, so if that sounds like something you might be interested in uh, i know nuno would definitely appreciate your help on that Thanks, Nuno, for putting the time in to make that one a reality. Looks pretty cool. Okay, we've got one, two, three items left here. Uh, actually, only two. Laravel Telescope, real quick. Uh, we just have a post out there on how the beta is now available. So we just some quick instructions on how you can install it, uh, the beta, that is, uh, using the dev version of it, uh, but so that everybody has access to it. So that was the one. And then the other two things that we have here is the Laravel form builder, which is a package. And then uh, building and maintaining a Laravel translation package. So which one do you want to take of those two? The one that's not the translation <laughs> package. <laughs> the form builder. Laravel the form, form builder. builder it is. Uh, all right. I think we looked at this all together the other day, didn't we? I think yesterday. You, me, and TJ were looking at this. We were, yeah. we were talking about it on yeah. Telegram, yeah. Tell me about this. What, uh, what, let's first of all, let's talk about what it is and explain it, and then let's give some opinions. Sure. So the Laravel form builder is a package by Christian Husak that incorporates an API similar to Symfony's form builder for Laravel 5 applications. With the help of Laravel's form builder class, you can create forms that can be easily modified and reused. So this is, basically you create a, a form class, which extends from a base form object. 
and you can add in your fields, so name, lyrics, publish, whatever. You give it the types, whether it's text or a text area, and then you can also give it validation rules. And then you essentially pass this back into your view using the form builder create method. Tell it whether it's, you know, which method to use, post, put, patch, etc., and the URL that you should submit the form to. And then your blade template, you use the form helper and pass it the form object that you've created. And then inside of your store method, for example, if you're creating a new uh, a, a new resource from a form that's been built with the form builder, you can create a form object and perform validation on it by just doing, if not, you know, to do a form is valid on it. If it's not, it'll redirect back. It's it's quite nice in terms of being able to keep all of your form stuff inside of your controller or inside of discrete objects. I think where it falls down is probably in how much control you would have in terms of layout and the actual visual sure, form yeah. itself. So, Jake, I know that you've been doing a lot of work with forms recently. If you were using this package, you probably wouldn't have as much control as what you had. I guess it's kind of nice if you're just wanting to whip together yeah. like a real simple crud that's just literally like label, right. field, label, field, right. label, field all the way down and, and you're not doing too much yeah, design I agree. to it. And, and that's kind of what I think too. That's kind of the conclusion I'd come to yesterday, whereas... Uh, I've I've tried to both build these and consume these in the past, right? Like where I couldn't find one that met my needs exactly. I tried to build one, and the thing, the spot where it always fell down is it just you can't make something that is this standard that also has the customizability that I typically need inside a form that I'm going to build, right? I do have some right. projects, one project in particular that is just called literally like it's called Wilbur Forms. Like it's all these internal paperless forms that we use to submit information. It's just like, hey, here's a standardized yeah. form that you can submit to make a building request. Like, hey, you know, we're out of paper towels in the men's bathroom or something, right? Sort of silliness. Um, but there's just like all these different types of standardized forms. And in that case, I could see using something like this because all it is is just a listing of like five or six fields. Mm -hmm. You press the button and there it goes, right? Yep. And I really like that this includes the validation right in line. That's pretty interesting. But for any form that has any level of complexity at all, this this is going to break down. Uh, I love the concept and the idea though. Yeah, yeah. certainly as I said. And, and I think Rails has got a similar thing as well where it's just basic fields. I don't know. Like it doesn't look as though there's much... It looks like it's using Bootstrap. I would assume so, yeah. To to render the forms, yeah. So you get, I mean, it looks nice assuming you're using Bootstrap. I don't know how much control over, you know, using different, you know, CSS frameworks or anything like that. It's literally just spitting it out on the page. And as I said, if you just want to knock something together really quickly, this would be a good Absolutely, way of going yeah. about it. I, you know, I stopped using the, the HTML stuff when it was pulled out of Laravel in Laravel 5 and you know I've set up snippets and things like that in sublime text that I can you know type bs input or bs text or whatever and it will render the the html for those input fields but a lot of the time you know I'm designing them I've got rows with columns and especially now with bootstrap 4 it's got a bit more flexibility in terms of rows and columns and and things like that so you know, I don't just have one field. I've got three three fields on yeah, a row and exactly. things like that. And I, I tend to group them yep. up a little bit more. So definitely good for, you know, getting things up and running. But if you, if you are, as I say, if you are designing your forms, then you probably need to, 
you may need to look at something a little bit less rigid, yep. a little bit more custom. So, and 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 that's not to say that there's anything wrong with the form builder package itself. It's just the limitation of what you're actually yeah. trying to achieve. Yeah, it's there. Hard, like again, it's hard to like have both. They like can't have your kick and eat it too, right? Like if you're going to have some sort of standard way that you're going to be handling both the field itself as well as the rendering as well as the validation, like you're just going to have to have some structure that's always going to be this certain way. Otherwise, the API would just get massive on this thing for how you'd have to be able to do customizability. And then at yeah. that point, it's just like, well, I'm just going to mm-hmm. do custom HTML forms at that point. Certainly has its yep. place in your tool belt though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you can configure like there's templates that you can publish from the package for the form itself, for a text input, for a text area, for a button, button group and, and things like that. But as I said, the the hold up for me would be actually designing the form itself, not so much the fields. I mean, I assume you could call out to the, the templates themselves. I mean, you might be using components, for example, in Laravel. You could be using, you know, blade components for these things, and that would that would be a good place to do that. But yeah, other than that, other than you know your generic forms, I would say I mean, good place to start. But I I would need more customization in most yeah. of the things that I'm and, doing. I mean, to be fair, I haven't actually looked at all of the customization options that this has. So uh, maybe Christian has thought through a lot of that. It looks like he does have some interesting customization options here, such as like custom fields that you could do and those sorts of things. So. Maybe I'm not giving mm-hmm. it a completely fair shake, but uh, I'll have to I'll have to follow up on that one. Yeah, it's one of those things you would have to sit down and actually use it, right. I think, to get a real complete picture of what it does. And right. What it it looks like Christian spent a lot of time on it, though, and really has put a lot of work into it and some thought. So, mm. yeah. So, 100%. thanks, Christian, for doing that. And uh, certainly uh, take a look at that when you get a chance. Okay. We have one other one. Building and maintaining a Laravel translation package. So this is a multi-part series that's going to be documenting the process of building and maintaining an open source package for Laravel. So it's everything from bootstrapping the package to dealing with your issues and pull requests uh, for multiple languages, right? So as as Laravel is becoming more and more internationally used, right, this is becoming a larger and larger concern. The ability to be able to have a package that can be translated into whatever language the package consumer wants, right? And if it doesn't exist for them to be able to just go ahead and add the JSON in that would allow uh, that translation to be made. So these are certainly some pretty interesting concepts that are being discussed here. And if your package would have some sort of international appeal uh, or would be used by people from across the globe or that that you'd like it to be uh, used by people across the globe, there's some really important and interesting ideas and considerations uh, that that this article presents that you'd definitely want to consider. So looks pretty looks pretty interesting. It's a it's by Joe Dixon. So Joe's going to be starting this and sharing his experiences with us here on uh, Laravel News. So if that's something you're interested in, this is basically kind of a intro to the, to that series that's going to be coming. Uh, so definitely get into the Laravel News, check out the article, and you can subscribe to it. You know, subscribe to Laravel News as as uh, you hopefully already do, the, the newsletter, so you can get updates on this as it goes, uh, or you can reach out to Joe Dixon on Twitter as well, and I'm sure I can follow him, and he'll be announcing when he has new stuff out on this. I think that actually wraps yeah. it up for the week. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about? No, I think that's, that's pretty much it. That's all of the articles covered. 
that's yeah we've that's got some interesting me. community links this week that i was looking at we've got null object pattern in laravel if you've not heard of that before that's something uh it's worth checking out uh, we've got a one that's called using env variables from laravel inside Vue.js components which is kind of interesting there's a new alfred plugin for packagist which is kind of cool so you can search all the packagist uh, packages right which is all the things that you would pull in via composer using an alfred plugin so that's pretty cool yeah, some really, really cool stuff out there. Uh, the community, it's literally so hard to keep up with all the all the different links that are coming out each week because there's just so many of them. Uh, so thanks everybody in the community for contributing these links. I certainly keep it up and everyone who's listening, would love for you to go take a look at those community links on Laravel News when you get a chance. All right, everyone, yeah. thanks so much for listening. Uh, this is episode 72. If you have any questions for us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. Show notes of this episode will be found at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 72. And of course, if you like the show, please feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is always very much appreciated. And I think we are done. It is only 1241. Whew, boy. I have to get up in three hours. No, I'm, I'm not doing it tonight. <laughs> Not doing it tomorrow, I guess. Nah. Have you ever heard of Jocko Willink? I've heard you mention yeah, Jocko. He's a crazy man. No. He's awesome. Navy SEAL, US Navy SEAL. But he suggests everybody gets up at 4 a.m. in the morning. And a.m., of course, meaning the morning. So, no. <laughs> uh, But he has, some good, he has some good stuff about that. So I've been trying that. And I've been doing it actually pretty successfully uh, for the last little bit here. It's been really cool. I've been able to be super productive. Yeah, I've seen you yeah, up earlier. Yeah, i super productive. Get up at 4, work from four to like six thirty or seven, you know, it's like two and a half, three hours of super solid productive time. Like nobody's up for email. Like you're not getting any text messages. Nobody's on social media really, except for your Australian friends across the globe. And so I really get a lot of stuff <laughs> done. And I feel like sometimes I try and work on other things at nighttime and like my mind is just fried from the day. Right. But if I uh, get a nice yeah. sleep and then wake up, Get up at four, my mind is refreshed, I'm ready to go, and I can really attack some of those problems and, and have a fresh mind on some of those things. So it's been pretty interesting, but uh, yeah, this is a fun extra. Well, I, would, I asked Taylor if we could have Jocko uh, come and keynote for the next Laracon. They'd be freaking awesome. I don't think he'll do it, but I mean, Jocko's the man. So <laughs> anyway, you should go follow him on Twitter if you don't nice. already. There you go, Jocko. We love you. All right. Greg Boggs actually turned me on to him, I think, so yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right, everybody. That's it for this week. We will see you in two weeks. See you. Bye.